Welcome to an audio newspaper full of very unserious, partially real stories that the world needs to hear. More listening and less reading than the newspaper, but equally as sexy. This is Paper News Out Loud. Hello and good evening. I'm your host, Diane Weathersby. Hello and good morning. I'm your co-host, Florence Strumsby. Thank you for listening to Paper News Out Loud. Ooh, holy pumpkin spice latte, Florence. It's the spookiest, bestest day of the year. Happy Halloween. What's your Halloween wish? Okay, my wish is that my arms turn into Halloween candy, specifically gummy worms, but they regrow whenever damaged so I can continuously munch on my gummy arms and they'll regrow and I'll always be happy. How about you? Well, Florence, it's world peace like it is every year. Thank you for asking. (laughs) So today's episode is a spooky doozy. In order to maximize the creepiness, we request that you crawl into a coffin and remain there for the duration of your listening experience. Bonus points if the coffin was already occupied. That's right. I'm talking about the bones of dead people. (laughs) I warned you it would be extra spooky. It will be so convenient for the people that know you if you die of fright right in a coffin. Savine funeral costs. That's the real scary part of death. It really is. Let's dive right in. They're made out of pumpkins, and we let them get moldy on our doorsteps annually. Jack-o'-lanterns smiling at us from our neighbors' houses are a sure sign of the season, along with extra aisles of candy at the grocery store. But where did this highly revered tradition come from? Who looks at a pumpkin and is like, what the hell? Let's hollow this bad boy out and put some face holes in it and put it on my doorstep. The first jack-o'-lanterns were carved in Ireland, where Irish people use turnips and potatoes as their carving canvases. It was derived from an Irish myth about a man dubbed Stingy Jack. So Stingy Jack was having a drink, and he invited the devil to come out and have a drink with him, like you do. Like you do. (laughs) But because Jack is so stingy, he didn't want to pay. Which is an interesting tactic for when you're having a drink with the devil. You think he would want to pay to ensure he wasn't damned. Anyways, Jack apparently also had a silver tongue, because he convinced the devil to turn himself into a coin with his devilly powers which they could use to pay for their drinks. But once the devil was a coin, Jack decided that he would rather just keep the money, so he put the devil coin in his pocket next to a cross so that the devil couldn't transform back. He did really come prepared, though. Like, he already had the cross in his pocket, which maybe that was more of a thing in those days, but why would the devil take him out for a drink? Like, it's just so interesting how Jack got himself into this situation. Like, well, I'm going out for the drink with the devil. Oh, better bring my pocket cross and then just have it on hand. My pocket cross, just in case. <laughs> anyway, so something happened in the following months, and Jack decided that he was going to free the devil under the condition that the devil would leave Jack alone for an entire year. And when Jack died, the devil wouldn't claim his soul. So you know what they say about making deals with the devil? They definitely always work out. Like, why would the devil even take that deal? And why would, like, Jack had the perfect situation. Like, all he had to do was keep the devil by a cross, apparently. So, like, why would, did he just get bored that he didn't get to have, like, antics with his devil friend? I don't understand that. Anyways, I don't have a good answer, and time goes on. (laughs) Clearly the devil 
just does not learn a lesson, that guy. The following year, the pair went apple picking, which is a great date idea for any couple, and Jack tricked the devil to crawl up into a tree to pick the fruit. While the devil was up in a tree, Jack carved a cross into the bark so that the devil could not come back down until he agreed to leave Jack alone for ten more years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this just doesn't, you know, the de- like, he must be like, oh yeah, Jack, great guy. Should hang out with him again. That worked out great for me last time. Trust this guy indefinitely. Um, but anyway, Jack's luck ran out and he died shortly after the fruit incident. And then God was like, heck no, I don't want this scumbag and wouldn't allow Jack into heaven. And the devil made a deal with Jack so he couldn't claim his soul. Instead, the devil gave Jack a single burning coal and sent him out into the night. Um, because Jack was clearly resourceful. He carved out a turnip to carry the coal in and has been wandering the world ever since then as a ghost seed trapped on earth with a turnip coal. So in Ireland and Scotland, the people started to carve out their own turnips, um, beets and potatoes to put in their windows um, to ward off stingy Jack and other evil spirits. And then this tradition was brought over to the United States by immigrants. And then they discovered um, that pumpkins exist and are native to the United States and are perfect for carving. And we've been doing it ever since. It's a pretty fun tradition. I did enjoy it this year when I got to stab my own pumpkin repeatedly. It's fun when your entire like house smells like pumpkin guts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So as we now know, there are a lot of things you can carve for Halloween if you're creative and daring, like pumpkins, turnips, and watermelon. But it has come to our attention that some people are carving things that definitely should not be carved for Halloween. To help you figure out the complicated do's and don'ts of carving, we've written up a handy little guide. You're going to want to print this one out and keep it in your knife drawer. Exactly, to warn anyone coming into your house to stab things what they can stab rule number one carve things you can scoop the guts out of why do you think pumpkin carving is so popular partially because of cindy jack but also because one of the most fun parts of carving is scraping out the ooey insides and throwing them at your friends do note not everything with guts is carvable please see number two rule number two Carve things that are not alive. Is a thing you are looking to carve asking you not to through words or actions? Do not carve that thing. I can hear you saying, but pumpkins, turnips, and watermelons were alive, and we can carve them, so why can't I carve my annoying neighbor that lets their birds squawk all night? That does seem like a fair point. However, that leads me to number three on our list. Rule number three, do not carve things that can feel pain or emotion. It may seem like your annoying neighbor cannot feel emotion, least of all empathy, but under their unfeeling exterior, they still can feel pain and emotions. It's best to leave human beings, animals, sea creatures, creepy crawlies, and tree trunks uncarved. Rule number four, do not carve corpses. I know that corpses are not alive and can no longer feel pain or emotion, but how did you get that corpse? How did that person end up as a corpse? Any method of obtaining a corpse will be illegal and wrong, so therefore you cannot 
carve one. This does include your annoying neighbor, even if they happen to become a corpse through no fault of yours, you are legally obligated not to defile them. Carving falls under defiling. Exceptions are to be made to biology students using cadavers, which is a fancy science word for corpse. This is acceptable. Though, do not use the cadaver to decorate your home. That is horrifying. Just buy a fake one. Rule number five. Carve things that are edible, but not all edible things are carvable. Pumpkins, edible. Watermelon, edible. Turnips, technically edible. People, also <laughs> technically edible. Do you see my point? Wait, I have a question. <laughs> yes. Why are turnips and people both in the same category of being technically edible when one is clearly a food stuff? It depends on your culture. If you are still having trouble determining what to carve, use this rule of thumb. If someone sees you carving it and will likely vomit and or report you to the police, do not carve that thing. This does not mean hide while carving the thing. This means do not carve it at all. So Florence is going to suggest items that she may have thought about carving or things that you might have once considered carving, and I will demonstrate how to use this handy-dandy guide to determine if that thing is carvable. Okay, number one, pumpkin. All right, pumpkin has guts, not alive, cannot feel pain or emotion, not a corpse, edible. Yes, you can carve this thing. Check, check, check. Okay, number two, um, my kitchen sink. Okay, first, it does not have guts. And that's as far as we need to go. You cannot carve this thing. How about a squirrel? Okay, so it has guts. It is alive. Shoot, son, don't carve this thing. People would throw up if they saw you carving a squirrel. Un not unfortunately. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Thanks for it. Also, the rule of thumb rule supersedes that. So great job, Florence. Thank you for bringing that one up. Okay, how about that annoying neighbor and also all of their birds? So the annoying neighbor and all of their birds have guts. They are alive. They can feel pain. Whoa, stop right there. That is a no-no. How about a good old-fashioned cantaloupe? Has guts. Not alive. Cannot feel pain or emotion. Not a corpse. Edible. You can carve this thing. But where are you going to find one this time of the year? <laughs> Not nearly as easy as to find as corpses are. It's, it's fall, Florence. That's when all the corpses emerge. Okay. A dead body found while jogging. So, has guts. Not alive. Cannot feel pain or emotion. A corpse. Aw, dang. Not this time. Wait. You're a biology student? Proceed. Technically edible. All right. Do your thing. You may carve. Clearly, it's pretty easy to figure out what to carve, so I don't want anyone claiming ignorance like they did last year. You won't get away with it again. Not again. Not this year, friend. Do you have any other questions about the carvability of certain objects, Florence? Nope. I think I got it. I took some good notes, um, and I just feel like I'm ready to go. Like, I feel like my carving pillaging will be a lot more productive and less illegal than it was last year. Good. That's good to hear. I'm glad that we could change at least one person's um, perspective on carving, even if it was ourselves. In honor of this spectacular spooky day, we have written you a horror story so horrifying that it can only be described as horrifying. 
Please turn on all the lights in your home before indulging in our Halloween spooky story, One More, as written and told by Florence and Diane. The house was padlocked shut from the outside. The lock long rusted over. Touching it makes your mouth fill with a metallic flavor and your ears ring. The key in your pocket suddenly feels so heavy in your sweater that you're certain it's going to make your knees buckle. What's that? A trick of the light? A pale white face with a red slashed open smile blinks at you from the window for just a second. The next next second is just the reflection of the moon. Wind rustles the tree branches. Is someone scratching on the front door from the inside? Broken fingernails, bleeding flesh, splintered wood. You think long and hard about how you got here. How you got here. How. How did you get here? You think back to the last thing you can remember. You went out for your friend's birthday, but that was... When was that? You weren't wearing this. That you're sure of. You look back at the long path you assume you walked on to reach the door. Why didn't you notice the skulls mounted on spikes? You try to tell yourself that the skulls just look real. They can't be real, but something about the tattered pieces of flesh clinging from the jawbone makes you think that they didn't come from a store. The sound at the door becomes louder, making your fingers ache with each scratch. Broken and bleeding and splintered, you think again. But there is a door and you have a key, and if there was ever a sign from the universe, that would be it. Even though the key is old, cast iron with flecks of rust and scratches from use, it slides into the padlock like new. Another sign. It takes a hefty shove to get it open, and dust motes and stagnant air come rushing to your face. Your phone flashlight creates a dim circle of light around your sneakers, giving you the illusion of safety. You aren't surprised that there are claw marks on the door. You are surprised by the low guttural howling that rises from below the floorboards. Instinctively, your hand searches the wall for a light switch, and it takes you a moment to realize that there's not one there. You hold your hand under your phone light and see that it's now covered in a sort of red dust. You take a few more tentative steps in, trying to locate the exact spot the howling is originating from. You note that you're not equipped with any weapons and do a quick glance around the room for something, anything, that could be considered sharp enough to stab or heavy enough to swing. Unfortunately, the room is void of any furniture and your stomach drops when you realize that your only option is a severed arm, long shriveled up, leaning against the wall right under where you groped around for a light switch. Rubbing your palm onto your jeans, you try not to think too much about it. Instead, you busy yourself squinting around the house, searching for a way down. As a whole, the house seems normal enough. There are some scattered, heavy pieces of furniture, a baby grand piano, a table, some sort of couch, draped with sheets and family pictures. The face is torn off with the same sharp claw marks that left grooves in the door. A bathroom with a cracked toilet. A back door sealed from the outside. Finally, you find it is nondescript as a linen closet. Boards are sloppily pounded over at the top, trapping the crier inside. You examine the boards and tentatively reach to pry one off. You aren't sure why you want to see this creature, but you feel you need to see this creature. You need to know what has been doing the scratching and the whining and potentially the murdering. As your hand touches the board, several things happen in quick succession. First, the creature's whines turn to a kind of growled chant. Second, you realize that you can't tear the boards off by hand. 
Lastly, you hear a crash from upstairs, a muttered curse, and footsteps directly above you. Panicked, you grab the severed arm and employ it as a crowbar, prying at the boards. The footsteps and growling chant continue on, harmonizing with your heavy breathing. Where your hands failed, the severed hand succeeds. You free the first board. The rest come easily, the arm proving to be an innovative tool. The last board rips free along with your thumbnail. You turn the doorknob with shaky hands, shaky breath, shaky bones. They're scratching from the inside. With a gentle shove, it swings open, leading to a basement. At the top of the old stairs is a hunched figure. You recognize the face that stares back at you. The eyes, mouth, ears are yours, but older, missing an arm, missing a thumbnail. With a hoarse voice from screaming, your doppelganger lets out a raw whisper, it's behind you. You immediately become aware of whatever it is. Before you can react, though you don't know what you would do even if you had more time, you feel its hot breath in your right ear and feel its soft and unbelievably frigid arms wrap around you. It starts pulling you backwards. You look at the grotesque version of yourself and silently plead it for help. You find your voice and scream at it for help. You kick and you writhe, but the impossibly frigid monster holds you firmly, hot breath in your ear, pulling you backwards. Other you starts to move forward and your hopes rise. They step out of the basement and approach you. They smile reassuringly. Yes, you are safe, their smile says. You are going to escape. They wrap their one impossibly frigid arm around your legs, lifting you off the ground, preventing any further attempts to escape. They nod at the creature behind you, and you realize who the smile was really for. By now, you've reached the stairs. Time slows down as you're wrapped in the monster's arm. As if you have all the time in the world to go and die. You hear the chanting again. Now, with your senses heightened and your adrenaline threatening to tear your veins apart inside out, you can pick out what it's saying. Your own voice. Please no. Please, 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 please no. Leave me go. You're mortified when you find your lips moving. Up the stairs. Each step jostles you up and down, but the monster's hold is firm. You reach the landing. Your heart has never beat with such vigor, and you almost will it to burst before these monsters get the chance to do to you whatever they have planned. You're aware of your own voice again, still chanting, please no, please no, but your lips aren't moving. The monsters open a door. The room is brightly lit by torches, and it hurts your eyes after becoming so accustomed to the darkness. The chanting is louder, and you hear it in a chorus, please no, please no, leave us go. You are upright now, your back against the post, rope replacing the monster's arms. Surrounded, you see versions of yourself in various states of dismemberment. Your screams are drowned by the sound of a saw coming to life. Well, that was just downright terrible, wasn't it? Oh, I got the chills. <laughs> Gotta turn the night light on early tonight. <laughs> Is there something actually behind me? There just might be. So who doesn't love free candy, she said, trying to lift the moon. I can, <laughs> I can personally speak from experience, and the candy dish we keep in our office. Nothing gets both children and grown-ass adults as jacked as free candy. The adults are real fun because they're all like, oh man, I really shouldn't. What about my health? What about my blood sugar? If they're like loading up their pockets and briefcases full of fun-sized boxes of dots. So trick-or-treating is like the national holiday of mooching candy off of strangers, which is stranger and can be danger. 
Today we received a particularly special letter while excavating ancient tombs in the deep Arctic in search of the best Halloween scares. This week's true to this topic. We blew off the dust and read. Dear Florence and Diane, I live for candy. Literally, without candy intake at a steady stream, my blood leaves its salad form and returns back to regular human blood, which is super grody. So Halloween is really when I stack up, if you know what I'm saying. It's just important to me that I'm safe. What are the best ways to be safe for Halloween? Sincerely, Candyman. Well, you precious little gumdrop, this is a super important question. To make sure we had all our bases checked, we reached out to WikiHow to help us help you. Number one, wear brightly colored costumes. This is important if you want moths to notice you throughout the night. As everyone knows, moths are the Halloween versions of butterflies, and they are more active during Halloween. And study after study shows the more moths you have flocking around you during trick-or-treating, the more likely you are to get candy. But alternatively, maybe it's better to wear dimly colored costumes. But you know, you don't want to be like too visual. Then all the baddies and candy stealers can spot you from a distance and all the moths, 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 <laughs> will block your vision and make you vulnerable. Alternatively, you can opt for dimly lit clothes that'll help you blend into the shadows. Try wrapping your entire costume in black or gray duct tape to mask any bright or fluorescent colors. They'll never see you coming in. It's important while you're trick-or-treating to follow street safety rules. It may seem like anything goes on Halloween, and that's because almost anything does. However, jaywalking and other traffic crimes are never allowed. So you chose to dress up as a person who is famously known for walking slowly and eerily in the middle of the street. Great costume, but maybe take some creative license with the character and choose to slowly and eerily walk down the sidewalk instead for safety. A great rule of thumb for street safety is to never assume that cars can see you. They haven't developed eyesight yet, so it would be foolish to assume that they can see you and will thus avoid striking you. Only go to houses that have their lights on. Not only will any moths be drawn to those fancy house lights, but you'll know that they're DTC, down to candy. In ancient trick-or-treating traditions, light was a symbol of great wealth of candy behind the doors. Well, you might have to wait in line behind other trick-or-treaters. You'll know that there will be payout. But again, alternatively, you can only go to houses that don't have any lights on and are padlocked shut from the outside. Okay, so you're walking through a neighborhood. All the houses are like bright, welcoming jack-o'-lanterns. But then there's that one house that has all the lights off and the curtains drawn. No trick-or-treaters are on their doorstep. You know that these people went and took advantage of the candy deals at their local grocery store. Because who hasn't? And now they're sitting in the dark, keeping all that glorious candy to themselves. Take a risk and pound loudly on the door, shouting, Police, open up! They'll come to the front door, which will give you your opportunity to request the treats. So as we know, Halloween is when it's dark for an entire day. You will need to carry some form of illumination at all times. I get it. A flashlight will ruin the aesthetic and break the illusion of your costume. But flashlights aren't the only things that give off light. 
think within the context of your costume to find an alternative light source. Are you masquerading as a demon of the underworld? Carry fire in the form of torches. Are you a character from the popular video game Fallout? Consider exposing yourself to radiation to get that healthy green glow to light your path. Extremely Christian? Let Jesus light the way! There are so many ways a form of illumination can enhance your costume, so make sure you make it an integral part of the planning process. Another thing you need to consider while designing your costume is making sure your mask is comfortable and functional. There's nothing worse than missing all the houses because your mask was obstructing your view or you were too distracted by how itchy it was to actually do any trick-or-treating. You might think to yourself, well, Diane, I'll just go without the mask. Cods wallop, I say. No one wants to give you candy if you aren't wearing a mask, no matter how many moths you've convinced to flutter around you. The mask is also an incredibly important part of keeping your identity safe during trick-or-treating. 84% of all identities stolen are stolen on Halloween night from people who don't wear masks. Just make sure you test your mask by wearing it to bed every night for a few months before trick-or-treating. Great advice for all of us, really, like Candyman and beyond. Mm-hmm. We all need that free candy. Hey, Diane, is a ghost driving the train to the motivation station today? Boo! Boo! One of the hardest parts of Halloween is choosing what costume you're going to wear, because there are really a lot of factors that go into that decision. For example, how much is your costume budget? How long do you have to plan said costume? Where is your nearest Halloween costume outlet store? How many hours have you spent scouring Pinterest for inspiration? Do you have to hide your leathery bat wings so that the mortals still think you're human? How do you decide what costume you're going to wear? As everyone knows, Halloween officially starts September 1st. This gives me enough time to start a cutthroat Halloween costume competition show on a channel like HGTV or CNN. I kicked mine off on the 1st of September by kidnapping the managers of Halloween stores across the nation. They are taken to a remote location and provided with an array of crafting materials. I'm talking everything from your standard fake blood, to yarn, to sequins, to actual real blood from a creature local to that remote location. For two weeks, the 84 competitors each work on the Halloween costume that they will present to the judges, aka me, and the horse I rode in on. On the night of September 13th, my horse and I eat all of the Halloween costumes they created. The next day, we see how the designers handle the loss of their costumes. The nine designers that handled it with the most grace and the one that handled it most dramatically get to move on to the final round. They had until October 30th to design the perfect costume. Of course, we ended the competition with only eight designers because of a mid-competition challenge that went awry. But let me tell you, the winner this year was incredible. For copyright reasons, I can't describe it to you or wear it in public. If you missed the finale on Channel 7 last night, don't fret. It is available on pay-per-view for only $59.99. Your accounts have already been charged. Florence, what sexy stoom are you rocking this year? Okay, so this is like a real tricky one. Halloween costumes not only reflect your personality and the appetite of your horse and your values, but also have to be durable enough to withstand a night of hardcore partying. I start by narrowing down my top four costume choices and promptly buying or making all of them. 
Then I lay them on my floor and cover myself with peanut butter, wood glue, and honey. Then I roll around on top of my costumes and literally wait for one of them to stick. That's the look I rock for the remainder of the night. Have fun and be safe on Halloween, people. <laughs> Hopefully a lot of moths follow you. Choose your costumes wisely is all we're saying. Trick or treat, smell my feet, give me meaning and purpose in life, please. That's a telltale sign that the podcast is coming to an end. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to what we had to say. If you like what you heard, subscribe to Paper News Out Loud um, for more episodes like this one. <laughs> great episode seems like a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> this one was great. Um, if you like what you heard a lot, leave us a review on iTunes saying what you liked. Please slide a pic of you in your Halloween costume into our DMs. If you're in love with what you heard, look deep within yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's where the true horrors were all along. Thank you so much for listening. I want to thank Jack-O-Lanterns for lighting up my life. I also want to thank Jake Harrison for allowing us to use his track titled 5 off of his album found on SoundCloud and Spotify. Thanks, Jake. You can find his music through the link or by searching at this. Tweet us at realityoutloud, use the hashtag thinkweirderthoughts, and then actually begin to think weirder thoughts. Share with your friends. We hope you learned a thing and made a laugh. Happy Halloween. We did it. This time. I just have the This Is Halloween song stuck in my head. But for copyright issues, we can't sing it. I would recommend that everyone please listen to Thriller by Michael Jackson for the full effect of closing music. Yes, thank you. Insert that here. All right, bye.